Hello, we are three friends who like playing tabletop games and thought it'd be fun to create characters based on movie and TV characters for role-playing games. I'm Ian, and I'm joined by Karina and Matt, and this is Hollywood Rolls. I'm not in love with Robbie now. I'm in love with Robbie six years ago. Robbie, the lead singer of Final Warning, when I used to come and watch you in the front row with your spandex pants, your silk shirt unbuttoned, licking the microphone like David Lee Roth. The point is, I woke up this morning and realized I'm about to marry a wedding singer. I am never going to leave Ridgefield. Yes, definitely get your Van Halen shirt back from Linda. Break out your 80s mixtape predominantly featuring The Cure. And don't forget your butterfly jean jacket, because today we're building Robbie Hart from The Wedding Singer for D&D. Drew Barrymore's butterfly jacket. Yes, apparently, yeah, just such a wonderful (laughs) flower child. They're like, that's great. Can you wear that? I'm like, "Um, (laughs) I guess so. It's mine. Your jacket's now wardrobe. (laughs) Yeah, maybe don't you have a budget for this? Nope. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) About that quote, David Lee Roth was actually supposed to be the the Billy, yeah, Billy Idol, the Billy Idol. Of, the, yeah. of the movie. It was going to be a David Lee and Roth, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they cast the person on the plane as the large David Lee Roth fan, as the <laughs> large David Lee Roth fan, and then just changed it to large, large Billy, Billy Idol, Idol fan. fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great credit. I mean, <laughs> that guy had been doing some wrestling, too, so he was kind of like known, so that was kind of like, aha, to people yeah. at the time, too. <laughs> Billy Idol in 1998 did a pretty decent job of looking like Billy Idol in 1985. So <laughs> 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 Queen learns yesterday. I learned yesterday that was actually Billy Idol. <laughs> I assumed it was some guy. And I was looking at that. I was like, is that the guy from that show that I've seen? But no, it's not quite that guy from that show I've seen. I wonder who played Billy Idol. And then the credits are all, oh, <laughs> it's actually Billy Idol. I saw this movie when it came out. And I was like, well, who did they get to play Billy Idol? Didn't know. <laughs> But apparently Billy Idol did this movie because his kid said to do it because he was a fan of Adam Sandler. He's like, I have to go see this movie anyway, so I might as well be in it. So he said yes. (laughs) So while we're on the topic of music, at Linda and his wedding... There was a string quartet playing an arrangement of Don't Stop Believing. Yeah, I got that right Like, solid wedding intro. Solid wedding intro. Yeah. And it made me go, there needs to be more string quartet versions of Journey. And the reason I (laughs) I thought that apparently is because subconsciously I'd remembered there were more string quartet (laughs) versions of Journey. So uh, Vitamin String Quartet has a whole album of Journey covers. Oh, that's fun. Pretty fantastic. It's kind of like the uh, what's the? I'm trying to think of the like the, ju- the jukebox uh, sort of like the like you get like a jazzy. Karina, thing. I believe you're thinking of postmodern jukebox. Thank you. And it was jukebox there something. I was like, that's something. And yeah, I just yeah, man, I go through a rabbit hole with those. I'm like, oh, that's great. We have to demand more, 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 please, more, please. I love those better than the originals. <laughs> yes, please. Get a little jazzy beat. <laughs> The other music-related thing from the intro is, of course, the Van Halen t-shirt, and she does jinx it. They break up that year. <laughs> They'd actually already broken up by the time they're supposed to be in this, so I guess just Robbie hasn't... Yeah, timing-wise. Yeah. <laughs> Robbie hasn't kept, kept up with the times. <laughs> they're supposed to get married in August uh, 5th. They've already broken up by that, unfortunately. Yeah. The other uh, fun uh, playing with time thing is, of course, it when they're looking for the wedding photographer mm. and she mentions all of the couples who are just iconic couples that are going she knows are going to be together forever and everyone has broken up yes i mean that's yeah <laughs> again this sort of like wink wink nudge nudge like oh yeah and, and also the uh, best friend sammy like oh your jacket oh the jacket's fine i'd lose the glove like you know yeah, yeah, yeah of course because <laughs> that hadn't happened yet uh, sure okay <laughs> we get it you're in the past <laughs> yeah i mean the, the 80s references were just like a hat on a hat kind of uh, a feel i feel you like know. yeah it's, it was <laughs> It's also like it's a weird nostalgia place to be where it's like, hey, this is 1998 and we're talking about 1985. It's not mm-hmm. that 
far in the past, but they know, treat it like nine years. Ago. Guys, remember CD players? Like we're still using CD players right now, yeah. guys. This is not something crazy. I mean, the '80s felt like a long time ago to me in the '90s, but I was a teenager, so that's a very different, I think, experience than an adult would. I have. mean, I guess yeah, for a movie that was supposed to be for like our age group, which I think at the time it was what like fourteen, fifteen, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Being like, hey, this was about the time that you were a toddler, if you were, you know, if you were even yeah. born. Sure, this is a weird thing. Wow, what? They didn't even have a CD player yet? Crazy. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I think this is just an explanation that Adam Sandler knows who his audience is. Yeah. He certainly did in the 90s. Yeah. And yep. For, I, 14-year-old boys. <laughs> yeah. No, but I felt like the, the way that they referenced things from the 80s, I read an article today that hit the nail on the head. It was, it's like a dad repeating a punchline of his bad joke or a Halloween party <laughs> where you have everyone, it's constantly uh-huh. uh, reminding everyone like what they're dressed as. And that like, is remember just this thing? Remember Paris? I feel like it's always kind of, I mean. It is. It's very what, Adam Sandler. Say what you will. You know, I saw these movies because goodness knows I was a teen in the late 90s. Elder <laughs> 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 Millennial over here. But my peers did love them. And I'm like, uh-huh, that was a movie, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I remember people really liking them. like, Exactly. Okay. Highbrow is it? It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm over here being like, you know, Monty Python years ago. I'm like, okay, yeah, it does. It's one note. And it that note is, note. it's it's the note it is. Subtext? Yeah. No. <laughs> no subtext whatsoever. <laughs> I farted. That's the joke. Okay. All right. Great. <laughs> we, we had talked about doing some other Adam Sandler movies. We actually, I think, came to this after the conclusion that the other earlier Adam Sandler movies are, are just a little too hard to watch at this point. Yeah, we point. wanted to do Billy Madison and it was just... Uh, yeah. Oh boy, I didn't even retread that one at all. The most one that was out of Happy Gilmore. I was like, oh, oh sorry, yeah. Let's Happy try Happy Gilmore. Gilmore. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Billy Mass and I was like, had no illusions that would <laughs> no, yeah, be no, okay. No promise. No promise. That's no, right. I was like, maybe we can do something golf. Maybe there's something there, and it was fine, but just nothing really buildable. And it felt like the Wedding Singer would hold up a little bit better, and I think it did hold up a little bit better, but it's still the same Adam Sandler character as so all the other movies. So I mean, I, I think would... this one is better. Sorry, go uh-huh. ahead, Ian. I, I was gonna say I would love to bring as a NPC Shooter McGavin is a uh, solid person to bring yeah. in from that movie. But as, as bad guy double pop collar. Yes. <laughs> BBEG, overconfident white man. That could be fun. Yeah, fair, fair. I mean, that's Lots very, of finger guns. It's also, yeah, it's also, I feel like, very true of the Adam Sandler movies, right? It's always like a rich white guy, overconfident, you know, spitting on the little guy. Like, well, what am I? Just this average show. Like, okay, sure. <laughs> it's always that. This one, though, I, I think did hold up better. And there's, I think there's actual like, tangential things about it that is good. One of them was uh, Carrie Fisher, along with Judd Apatow, did help kind of bump up the script a bit. Yeah. And in fact, it wasn't from Sandler. I mean, I don't know if the other movies were either, to be fair. Uh, but he also had a hand, uncreditedly so, writing for the script. Mm-hmm. And Carrie Fisher's hand in it, I think, really did make a lot of difference. Her quote was, you make the women funnier and you make the love scenes better. And I was looking back at one of the videos that I watched, too. They pointed out this was the first Adam Sandler movie that treated the female protagonist as not just like a little piece of meat. You know, she is. But they gave her <laughs> a little bit more depth. And this movie does pass the Bechdel test mm-hmm. in only one conversation. And it's with Holly when she asks her, did I puke on your shoes? And she says, yes, but it was your shoes. But that technically qualifies, and now the movie passes the Bechdel test. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> Probably written by Carrie Fisher. They did have more than one conversation between women, but only not about, about men. a boy. Yep. Yeah. It has to be it. Not talking about a boy. Yep. And she was talking specifically about the rum they had the night before and how she puked on but her many, shoes. Many movies don't even get that far. So, And I think every prior movie had not passed this test. <laughs> 
Well, having brought up Carrie Fisher rewriting the script, mm -hmm. I, I feel like there were a ton of connections to movies that we have already done on the podcast that are kind of interesting. So oh. Carrie Fisher had the uncredited rewrite credit uh -huh. on Hook as well. Yes, we true. talked about that a fair yep. bit. Drew Barrymore, of course, makes a pretty strong Whippet connection just by being present in the movie. Sure. And then Zoolander connections. So Christine Taylor as yeah. an actress. Of course. Uh, but then along with one of her first scenes in the movie, there's the relax, don't do it shirt from the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I guess, chauvinist chef. I don't know what to call him. He's probably got a character name somewhere. Probably not. <laughs> Very few people did and when I was watching the credits because I was trying to figure out some names today. I was like, oh boy, there's just a lot of like, even like his bandmates just say, Robbie Hart bandmate. There was apparently, a Ben Stiller was considered for the secondary sort of male role at some Glenn? point. Well, yeah. actually, it was, there were several there people. There were a lot. I, yeah. I normally don't actually find the, like, who was, who was else considered. was considered very yeah. interesting. Did you say but for this one, Hollywood? I thought it was funny. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, they, they were actually considering Shooter McGavin. Yeah. Uh, too uh, old. Uh, Christopher McDonald, but he was 20 years older than Drew Marymore, and Sandler vetoed it. Yeah. Um, I actually agree with that because it would, it would be totally. too much of a slam dunk. If he was noticeably older and also cheating on her, it might be too too easy, right, for the to, audience. The audience to dismiss oh, him. So, to be yes. like, ew, gross. Yeah, but then the other direction, the director wanted uh, Matthew Broderick, and oh, yeah, he was like, in that oh, case, no, he's oh, too yeah. likable. He can't be a villain. <laughs> she should go with Matthew Broderick, absolutely. <laughs> go to Vegas, girl. Go get it. <laughs> Don't come back for this loser. <laughs> so the other person that Sandler did want to get into the movie yeah. is um, Chris Farley, who I actually didn't really know the history of both of their appearances on SNL, that both of them were fired at the same year in 95 uh, during oh. kind of a slump oh. in yeah, SNL. Yeah, feels right. Uh, and right, the, the ratings were down and so they were kind of like, well, what do we change around? And, and they, oh. they successfully did so. But They were just like culling the herd. Yeah, they but both like of them were fired. Thing, right? And sure. yeah, it wasn't a specific instance as far as I could tell. Um, anyhow, the, the two of them were very good friends yeah. and he wanted to have Farley in the movie. And... Specifically, he was going to be the Flock of Seagulls guy that yes. he got the ticket from, which feels right, doesn't oh, yeah. it? Like now no. thinking back about it, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just having that be like a little like, like wink, wink would have been hilarious. But yeah, New Line Cinema vetoed it saying that he was too much of a liability at the time for drug reasons and uh, said no. And then sadly, he passed away a month and a half before the premiere of the movie. Oh, tragic. Uh, yeah. He would have been so funny there. Just that like little like, a, just him, I, I could just like, now that I see that, like, the actor did a great job. Don't get me wrong. He did a great job. But like, if that would have been Farley, it would have been so <laughs> it would have been great. funny. Just that like, it would have taken like a day, like not even a day of filming, like half a I day know. of filming. How much of liability? Come on. Yeah. <sighs> also, I feel like Chris Farley would have just beat himself up as the ticket guy. Yeah. There, that would have been. Stupid, stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, missed opportunity. Sad. All right. Well, well now we're sad. Yeah. Bummer. Having, oh, no. <laughs> having brought down the, the mood here, let's just continue that by talking about the ways in which this movie is problematic. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Uh, so I like there's such a weird mixed message on trans women in this movie with George. It's interesting, isn't it? Like it it seems er, like it's both early accepting, to be positive, but not. But there but I think it's accepting, but also, but also in the and, same yeah. way as like, is like, yeah, the audiences may not be accepting, which is like, it's odd, right? It's like. Also, anytime two men touch, somebody winces in this movie. So that's like, clearly a, men aren't allowed to be close. That's, that's gross. That's gross and gay. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the, I think that's part of the course for the nineties, especially yeah. with this kind of comedy, which is like for 14 year old boys where literally everybody <laughs> was calling each other the F word like you know, those uh, days. Yes. And that was like, just, you know, banded about the halls as nothing. Everybody was like, oh, come on, guys, come on. While we're talking about 14-year-olds, the bar mitzvah, teen adult, like, just go with it, grope fest joke. I, yeah. It does not play the same way for me yeah, in 2023 no. as it did back I mean, then. It wasn't it funny. I, yeah, again, <laughs> I've had problems with Adam Sandler <laughs> since I was 14 because I'm I, uh, more of a friend. But the highbrow British comedy, like, okay, the joke is that 
people are touching each other's butts. Yeah. That's the mm-hmm. joke. Okay, I get it. But yeah, now putting into context, this grown man puts a 13-year-old girl's hands on his butt. Yeah. And that's supposed to be fun and endearing. And now let's all do it. Okay, it's fun because now we're all doing it together, I guess. Mm-kay. Yeah, it just doesn't feel great. The, the... And the Julia ogling from the immediate, immediately, immediately. Yeah, yeah. We meet her by Sammy talking about how she's going to get it. And I only liked, and hopefully this was part of the Carrie Fisher part too, it became better because I feel like a lot of the other earlier Adam Sandler movies, there would be nothing else from her. Yeah, that's yeah. of course she's an object. What would she have an opinion <laughs> on? She doesn't know we're saying that about her. Ha ha ha. Her kind of being brought into the joke was like, oh, what are you going to do to me? So you're not going to do it to me? What's going on? That became funny. That's what yeah. made it funny. And I, <laughs> I, 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 I can't know. That has to be the Carrie Fisher part. It can't I, not be. I also think 25 years later, it's a little hard to decide whether or not they're trying to indicate how much more sexist the 80s were than the 90s. Like there oh, may boy. be something I, there. But, I think you're giving uh, too much credit, Matt. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I think you're giving them way too much credit. <laughs> But Bory George did actually like uh, the role and, oh, yeah. and tweeted uh, uh, when, when... Oh, Alexis uh, Arquette was great. Yeah. She did a great job. She's it was even uh, arguably way more talented than the rest of the band. <laughs> Seriously, why did she only George, know one song? George was playing the clarinet. I know, and that was the weird thing she too, right? She only sings one song. Only sings one song. Why only learn lyrics all the instruments. for one song? And then just like by a presenting... trombone and... By presenting piano. with the microphone, people are like, ew, before you even start singing, like that's weird. Like, yeah, okay, just, uncool. okay, what's going on there? That's strange. And then like, wait, once they start singing, it's like, okay, guess you don't like the Culture Club song? Fine. But like, why are you booing this person? It's doing a very good rendition of this song. It's very strange well when you hear it the second time around well of course if it's yeah but this was the first time they'd heard it right it's like yeah. no it was the second time well no, no they, they were they were already the, eye rolling the first, the first time, time they were already yeah. like oh what's oh, this going fair, yeah. fair 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 which, yeah i guess we all yeah which is can be a commentary perhaps on like yeah how people were judgy then but that was just as judgy in the 90s and i feel like the, i can't uh, it's really hard for me to tell where the joke lands with steve Buscemi going i like i like her and I can't tell if that's trying to be inclusive or a joke. And I, I really think it's can't. trying to be a joke. I think it's and trying to be inclusive. a joke that you think this isn't yeah. a girl, and that's the funny part is that he thinks this is a girl. It's 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 cringy. But when you look at it like inclusivity, I'm like, hey, why don't we watch? If I just believe this is fine, this is great. Yeah, <laughs> Steve Buscemi likes her. I wasn't thrilled with the mental health uh, digs that they had throughout the movie, but yeah, yeah. you're gonna go to a nut house. Yeah, cuckoo's nest. Cuckoo, cuckoo. cuckoo. Yeah. Yep. Again, very Adam but Sandler thing. Also, right? it's also, very much like <laughs> par for the course. But the fat jokes also not great. Could have done yeah. without those. Yeah, fat. Yeah, yeah. body shaming. Uh, children saying inappropriate things. Oh, you know, people of different ages, either young or old, saying inappropriate things. Ha ha, comedy. Right. It's very yeah. much yeah. on it. It's very much what it is. Right. It's like a very much like a Family Guy. Ha ha. There's the joke. We did it. Run away. <laughs> the, the subtler issue with the movie that I have honestly the bigger problem with is the overall. We have Adam Sandler's Robbie Hart is like an emotionally intelligent guy for like mm-hmm. the first 15 minutes of the movie, sure. and then Linda leaves him, and he turns into an absolute asshole. Yeah. And then like there is enough time for Drew Barrymore's character to start to get to like him, and mm-hmm. he does eventually. Come come back around but it's just like it's too much of a nice guy gets the girl kind of a movie nothing ever feels yeah. quite earned either like yeah. they need to have conflict but the conflict isn't earned like okay i guess we're mad at each other because we're with other people so now we're both emotionally unintelligent because reasons <laughs> yeah okay I, I feel like the 2023 remake has her breaking up with glenn who is obviously an mm-hmm. asshole and cheating on her right and then they're friends and that's a cool ending great yeah to be fair <laughs> so, but <laughs> 
All Roger right. Ebert did not have nice things to say about this movie. Oh, oh <laughs> I don't know if you oh, read this. I did not read the Roger uh, Roger I mean, Ebert fair, roasts. I, so I only I don't know about Roger Ebert. I know that as far as like Rotten Tomatoes review wise, this one is the highest rated, and that's actually for that year it was second only to Titanic. It was a huge hit. This year. Yeah, yeah, totally. They they kept their, it was supposed to release in ninety seven. It released in ninety eight because they kept it until February, and that's why like there was a there was an Adam Sandler movie every single year from like ninety five to like two thousand, yep. and there wasn't in ninety seven because they kept it for February because Valentine's Day. Yeah. And then there were two Adam Sandler movies. And then there were two that year. (laughs) (laughs) He was mostly uh, complaining about the fact that it was... There was nothing... uh, Yeah, Roger Ebert. uh, Nothing original about the movie. He was comparing it to uh, the movie Swing Time. Like, you kind of just missed the point. Um, Yeah. Like... It wasn't supposed to be an original movie. It's supposed to be a trope. And yeah, but when you're a critic and you're trying to say this movie good, the answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> and I agree. The movie did what it was supposed to do and made a lot of money, yes. Yeah, I know he was he was quitting into swing time uh, from the 30s that like it's basically the exact same plot, but it, it's also been done so many times that why, why, it's why? It's unrecognizable, yeah. yeah. Because we need something to come out around Valentine's Day that people will go <laughs> right. to a date with and go, oh. And go have sex afterward. And they bought popcorn. Yay, we did it. Yeah. And if you compare this to the other rom-coms in the 90s, like, this, this is, is tame. pretty solid. This actually, and it's pretty tame, to be honest. Like, I think this was like, like American Pie was oh. like, or, like was going to come out. Like, And this is the stuff that was like, okay, yeah, let's go real in, back into the raunchy, like, Porky's kind of stuff. Yeah. This was tame in comparison. I was like, oh, look, Adam Sandler can kind of be a nice guy. Look at him. He's so wholesome and cute. This was like the wholesome and cute Adam Sandler. And there's still like, oh, boy, <laughs> stuff about it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, w- at least one more fun thing before we move on to character talk. Uh, Drew Barrymore nails, absolutely nails a joke that I feel like I, I just, I feel deeply in my soul, which is uh, she's singing along to 99 Luft Balloons. And as soon as it's gotten past the <laughs> title of the song, she just starts humming along. Yeah. <laughs> I thought your favorite was great in this movie. Don't get me wrong. She was, you know, she nailed the assignment, right? Yeah. The, the cute little doe-eyed girl next door. Like, what do you mean? Of course. I, yeah. And you should definitely not tell her that Glenn's cheating on her. Just keep her in the dark because that's what you do with like little doe things. I, I don't want to break up her marriage. She's not married yet, not dude. Married. <laughs> but she looks so happy <laughs> because she's living a lie. Anyway. Well, well the, but she did a great job. She did. Uh, actually, the thing I wanted to bring up was... When thinking back about this movie before we rewatched it, yeah, like the most memorable things about this movie have nothing to do with either of the main characters. You're talking about rapping granny, because <laughs> that's yeah, what I rap- remember. Yeah, rapping granny, the like Steve Buscemi toast, oh, and Steve Buscemi the, was like, excellent. The John Levitt's uh, uh, <laughs> audition scene, like those are the things that like were burned into my memory about this movie. <laughs> interesting, interesting. I also remember the rapping granny as being the the cult. <laughs> Much like the dancing baby in Allie McBeal, I don't think people can understand the cultural touchstones that <laughs> <laughs> so many things that have pre, like around the pre-internet, but like just when the internet's in its baby state, mm-hmm. like rapping granny was a phenomenon. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, Good for her. The, I think the other thing that, the one thing that is the characters of this movie that really survived for me uh, uh, was the, the Grow Old With You song. Oh, which totally. Is genuinely Adam Sandler singing well. Which is weird. It is. It's a, it's, a de- it's a decent song. Yeah. It's been in my head a little bit. Billy Idol is uh, on board. Indeed. <laughs> he's going to get a Merker deal. And now he'll have the money and, you know, not that he's materialistic. It's fine. <laughs> it all works out. <laughs> now that she's learned to love him without money, let's give him money. Give him money real quick. Yeah, exactly. No lesson was learned. Everything's fine. <laughs> all right. Well, are we, with, with all that fun movie talk out of the way, shall we uh, move on to building a character? I think so. Yeah, let's do it. 
For listeners who are new to this podcast, we roll to see who's going to guide the conversation and also break ties when and if we're at a stalemate. And rolling dice is fun. What are we all rolling with tonight? I had a hard time choosing, and then I found something that I thought would work, mm. and then I would like Karina to describe what die she's rolling with, because that's the what that's the die I found. Oh, <laughs> I will go first then. Haha. My die is from Critical Role, and it's the Vox Machina D20 dice set, and I plucked from that die set the Scanlan die. It's a little bit different from what they currently are selling, and that is very important to me because it's amazing. So the Scanlan die, most notably on the 20, has little music notes on it because, you know, he likes his music and he wants to be a music writer. That's why it's great. And this is the first one of the die. So what they have now is it's, so this die is a pink and purple sort of glittery and then the inking is also like a lighter purple. If you buy it from their site now, the inking is black. There's a reason for that. This is extremely hard to read. <laughs> the glitter is also much more prevalent in the new dye. It's very, very glittery. I think the glitter might, yeah. I think so. But when I was watching back through uh, one of the, I think it was one of the four sided dives, one of the one of the many sort of interviews that they've done with Sam Regal, and he said he, okay, I want it to be as hard to read as possible. I want it to be sparkly, 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 and then put the same color on it, so it's really hard to read because that feels very scanlan, very impish, sort of like, <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, here, good luck, motherfucker. <laughs> and everyone's like, but it's so hard to read. It's like, yeah, that was by design, but you know. Cooler heads prevailed with the newer set, but I feel like I've got the old one. It's really hard to read, and it's very hard to read. But it's also <laughs> a little bit sort of like a little a little uh, immature, a little uh, undeveloped, just like Robbie Hart. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what I did end up choosing, because I decided against the new Scanlan die, which is what I would have ended up with, ah. is a die from a shop called uh, 3D Magic 01 on Etsy. It is very 80s wedding color scheme. Uh -huh. So again, we've got a lot of glitter. We've got like the holographic glitter stuff on the inside. The 20 is a different color than all of the rest of the numbers. But the 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 two colors for all of the numbers are teal and magenta, which feel very much like an 80s that color scheme. That feels very 80s. Oh, that's very cool. Oh, yeah. I love that. Like there's like foil inside. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I went into a different direction. I chose a die that sort of looks like it has like sheets of color inside. It's mm -hmm. from Dispelled Dice. Um, it's called the Feywater series. And oh, I think I might have some of those. <laughs> <laughs> very well might. And the reason I chose it is because the sheets of, of light blue look sort of like the lapels on his jacket. I love it. Yeah. No, there's that, there's that one jacket that he wears that's so canonical and appears in the cover. Let's see. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, that's very cool. It's sort of similar but dissimilar to yours, Matt, in the same way it kind of catches some like foil yeah. foil yeah. there. It's very cool. It's very pretty. All right. Well, shall we roll for initiative? Let's do it. You can see pictures of these dice on our Instagram at Hollywood Rolls. All right. Well, I got a 14. <gasps> I got a 12. 16 for me. Ah, Yin takes dun, it. Dun, dun. Or should I say, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Don't stop believing. <laughs> <Dun, stop. laughs> All right. Well, I think we should get started with background. Ooh. All right. I think Karina's got a solid argument this week. <laughs> so he's very haunted. As we know, his parents died when he was 10. We're not sure why or under what circumstances, but since then, all he wanted to do was be married, settle down, have a family. And he has been narrowly focused on that so much that he just has kind of wandered in any kind of career path. So sad that people look into his eyes and they want to help him, including his family. He's living in his sister's basement. Drew Barrymore kind of takes pity on him. More of like, oh, buddy, it's okay. We'll be friends. <laughs> and then eventually kind of fall into like a friendship than more of a loving relationship. But I think everybody kind of feels bad about him and they want to hire him in this tiny New Jersey town to play for all of their, uh, you know, their wedding, their 
other get-togethers, eventually some bar mitzvahs. Yeah, the background feature does work pretty well. Okay, so I want to contrast this to the other obvious option, yeah, entertainer. <laughs> yes. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, so what I would suggest is that if you're looking at John Lovitz's character, Jimmy Moore, then I would understand people hiring him just out of taking pity on him because that would be the only excuse to hire him. Hmm. But we've seen Robbie at weddings and he's like diffusing the situation with the best man. And mm -hmm. I mean... In, in his best state. Otherwise, he's just getting punched in the face oh, by yeah. the father people, of the bride. People continuing to hire him after the sad wedding. I think maybe you've got a better argument for, for Haunted One. But like, he mm -hmm. seems like he is genuinely good at being a wedding he, singer. He's they did hire him. He just had to transition in into <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. he's genuinely good at his job. It's just that he had a terrible life circumstance. And Sammy convinced he, him to come back when he should have just, just not. not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Entertainer is actually not too dissimilar from Haunted One in, in that the background feature is going to let you get lodging and stuff by entertaining. I guess Haunted One lets you do a but little bit But mine's because more. he's sad. He's a sad boy. He 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 is a sad boy, but he he's not actually a sad boy at the start of the movie. At least he doesn't he's think he's not happy-go-lucky. When I do a background, it comes back for the movie. Yeah, right. No, that's he's that's my boy. point. He's, he's not. He's, he's with Linda, and he's very happy. He's going to get married. He, he's very excited about that. When he was that. ten, and his oh, parents yeah. died, and he probably never moved out of his sister's. He's in his sister's basement for God knows how long. Why didn't they have a family home that, were, that he took over? Something happened there. Something dark. <laughs> something that made them lose their family home. And he had to move in with his sister, probably since high school. Who knows how long? He's down there it's with his old Chinese food and everything else in there. It's, it's sad. All right. Well, I'm not upset about Haunted One. Haunted One is a very reasonable choice here. I can also take Entertainer. I'm not upset about it, but, but I, gotta, I feel I like Entertainers are like kind of the, yep, check, done. We did okay, it. Okay, but do we actually see him sleep over at anybody else's house? Which I feel like this would imply. It's not necessarily. Uh, so the entertainment background just means that you can always find a place to enter, to play. Yeah, and he does seem to Which, always be able to find a place to play. The bar mitzvah. Even when they shouldn't be hiring him. Yeah. He never leaves Ridgefield. <laughs> and people recognize him outside of the entertainment industry as a result of his entertaining. He is called the wedding singer repeatedly. Oh, by that's the fair. People. He did almost from New Jersey. They almost got to <laughs> Las Vegas. So I guess he at some point did venture out. Almost. <laughs> almost. Still didn't get lodgings. Had to pay for his ticket. Nothing was for free. <laughs> All right. Well, I think Ian has decided, and he I is think the entertainer is the pretty uh, clear option here. All right. Fine. I like. I like the I like one background. It, it's it's pretty good. I like it. Yes. All right. Let's go back to race. Okay. I only have two for race, and I don't like either of them. But mm. let's talk about the first one that I don't like that is actually vaguely interesting, which is half elf. Um, That's not even on my list. Okay, okay, I have a real problem with Half-Elf, but you shoot your shot and I'll tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> so the dumb, fast argument for Half-Elf is that it's going to get us the charisma bonus, and sure. the charisma bonus is nice. It's nice. He also seems to be, like, really it's a rom-com problem, and I feel mm. like Half-Elf kind of works for a rom-com for this specific reason. I'm a little, like, I'm a little quirky. He's a dumb, pretty boy. Yeah, like, a little hambo -y. Everyone seems to being that attractive. <laughs> every, everyone seems to sort of poo-poo him because he's like he's poor, and they somehow just get to know that to begin with. Like, oh, he's living in his sister's basement, and he's, he's yeah mentally unstable. We all know that, yeah. But like, even so, he is ridiculously pretty. He's good at singing. He's he's doing all of these things that feel very like the half elves are way pretty and somehow poo-pooed by society. Like that, hmm. seems, that seems a bit un incongruous. Doesn't poor. make sense. Sure. And mm. also, I just, I feel like half-elves having perms make sense to me. I think that also works. That's fun. <laughs> okay, that is fun. Okay. So I think, canonically, I thought half-elves live longer than a normal human and not quite as long as an elf, but still longer. They do live longer do. than normal And he wants to grow old with her. <laughs> Ooh, I, no, solid argument. Ouch. He cannot grow old, <laughs> sir. <laughs> 
I'm positive. That depends. Is oh, she, oh, what is she? No, no. Well, maybe it's a tragic story. He wants to grow old with her and is incapable of doing so oh, because no, she's we're a in human. campaign one of critical role. Right in the fields. <laughs> <laughs> We have to entertain it. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I similarly went towards things that were high charisma. All right, so how is it a mark, Ian? I didn't even I've go got there. a couple things there. <laughs> but... I looked for a mark with high charisma. Was there a mark I missed? I didn't see anything with charisma. Oh, yeah. There's... I mean, there are half-elf marks, so yeah. he's, he's, he's got that. Oh, I was looking that's, at it. A... No, that's that, that's actually not uh, the un- one. Unrelated. I didn't okay. look at half-elf, though. No. Uh, <laughs> the, the one that um, has a high charisma <laughs> is the mark of scribing gnome. Uh, Wait, there were gnomes with marks? Oh yeah, there, there's like four. How different am I races missing all of these marks? <laughs> I feel like so. Here's the thing. I feel like I've been missing out on this whole mark thing. I'm like, haha, humans have marks. I'm gonna go look at the human marks, and I go, nope. I didn't realize everything else had marks. There's half elves, humans, halflings, gnomes, and elves. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's weird. all over the place. I, I feel I, I feel the exact same way as you do, Karina. I feel like when I go to look at things, like my brain just filters out the mark. Like it sees the word mark and it just skips it. Nope. <laughs> I don't. I see nothing. This means nothing to me. <laughs> I, I'm gonna be straight. There's there's no clear mark that really works, but I wrote down a couple that were interesting. Um, this one does give you a charisma bonus, um, and it deals with communication. So I thought like maybe because he's singing, yeah, but. Uh, it's pretty weak. Where does that work? Mark describing gnome. It's just it's well, just mark a describing gnome. gnome? Okay. Yeah, it's a gnome choice. Describing gnome. implies you're trying to communicate like like. Yeah, to me, that's where my brain, my brain goes immediately to like. I'm gonna yeah, like do a sending message. Or it's both written and spoken word. I'm not sure what all the benefits you get are, but mm-hmm. okay, okay. It's it's not great. It's not. It's great. not great. All right. Well, let's skip it. Let's get past it. Sk- skipping it. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, that, that, that was the only uh, known one. Um, no, I have a couple others. Uh, so there's halfling, which actually like generally because halflings are a little like you're, you're, you're anti-halfling. Okay. So here's why I like halfling. I know I, I heard Karina Go say. Go ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's why I like halfling. I like halfling because halflings are the most sort of community focused of the yeah. races. Okay. And he's so interested in like family and settling down and he's like helping people out with marriage and their wedding and he's working with his sister and like he seems like he's very he wasn't interested in leaving his small town like he is very community focused it feels like indeed <laughs> you guys like this character more than i do clearly. <laughs> <laughs> and so the one that i thought was the mark of hospitality oh, halfling. oh. <laughs> um so mark of hospitality also gets a plus one in charisma um, oh, good, good. and you're okay. ever hospitable that seems um, right if he had money he would share it which is why he doesn't have money <laughs> yeah <laughs> The basis of this one is more around innkeeping and yeah, like sure. maintaining taverns and but and the the one big mark against it is that you're really good at keeping a clean house mm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he's demonstrably not so. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. So I have a problem with he can't roll a one. Ah, well, okay. So I can again, unless you just Sam Regal and ignore it, which you can. You can roll a one as a halfling. It's a it one in four hundred chance. <laughs> I've done it twice. <laughs> <laughs> it can be done. It's true. But yeah. yeah. Unless you just are Sam Regal and go, that's stupid. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. All right. Fine. I don't feel like this character is very lucky. And that's kind of what halflings are. They're just like yeah. unabashedly lucky. He just lucky. happens to be on the right flight at the right time. Mm. I'd rather throw a it's luck feed at thing. that. Yeah. Yeah. He's not. <laughs> the hit, next yeah, flight hit, to hit, Vegas hit, is tomorrow. His life clearly is a series of lucky events. And that's why he's such so a lucky guy. Lucky. This yeah. is great. All right. I'm just going to go with human if uh, there's no strong objections. It's probably the right way to go. No. All right. <laughs> on to class. <laughs> well, on that note, Matt, how is it a warlock? We got to have a patron. 
I mean, he meets Billy Idol at the end. That that kind of works, but he doesn't seem like he's a huge Billy Idol fan. David up Lee until Roth, that point. <laughs> David Lee Roth, maybe. But Billy Idol does appear earlier in the movie with the White Wedding. And he tells him True. to turn it off, <laughs> but he tells him to turn it off. Mm. But like, well, he's maybe in a bad that, mood, though. Yeah. I mean, hot and cold relationship with a patron that could work. Ooh, uh, but maybe true. it's Van Halen. Van Halen also, I feel like a good patron option. We we got that whole like satanic panic hairband thing going on there. True. True. Uh, yeah. No, there's just no way to make a world look work. <laughs> you tried really hard. It's rough. It's I, rough. I do think the idea of going with a hairband as your patron and going for like a 1980s themed D&D game, I think that could work, just not with this character. Like Bowie. Yeah. Spaceman. It does, yes. <laughs> Spelljammer, here we go. <laughs> I, I mean, David Bowie as a very attractive great old one is a very interesting proposition. I mean, I was thinking, yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, there's many ways. I mean, that... David Bowie is clearly in space. We we have all of this information about <laughs> it. As a great old it. one, that's great. I was thinking just clearly Archfey. Oh, Archfey. And, oh, I mean, and, yeah. and not in a D&D campaign. David <laughs> Bowie David himself was just an Archfey. Yeah, <laughs> Come on. That tracks. Tell me he's not. <laughs> that is 100% accurate. Prove me wrong. <laughs> clearly he's a goblin. <laughs> the goblin Our, king. <laughs> the goblin king. <laughs> all right. I... Before we get to the obvious choice, there was maybe an opportunity to multi-class this character. Oh, interesting. Into really? what? <laughs> um, <laughs> I know, right? Was there? <laughs> Go on, sir. <laughs> I had been considering... That seems too high level. From my... Fr- uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we would only need, I think, one level. Two levels of, of each. <laughs> one level of each. Second level character. <laughs> but... It was it was another occasion where looking at Barbarian made sense because oh yes oh, I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about this it. character kept on running hot and cold well, so but here's the, the the funny thing we we had a discussion <laughs> about this like so the problem is when you're a barbarian and you go into rage mm-hmm. you, you're supposed to take less damage you take it half feels damage like he takes more <laughs> yeah. I feel like he hurts himself more when he gets mad. I mean, don't get me wrong. We love a broken build. <laughs> we love it. So if you want to take a barbarian, one level of barbarian to go into rage, and now you do like, I think what would be interesting is if you turn that rage and you don't take half damage, you don't take extra damage either. You just are doing all your attacks reckless. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now it's kind of built into the mix that you are hitting with advantage, but they're hitting you with advantage because you're, yeah. you're just flying off a handle and every, you're, not, you're not getting any of that half damage. You are just going crazy. <laughs> I, I think it could possibly work, but I'm inclined to agree with you guys. I think while that's interesting, for character development reasons, you probably don't want to end up with that level of barbarian in the end. <laughs> and on top of that, I'm not sure that the rage is really helping him. You can have rage and not be a barbarian. It's fine. It's also, yeah, that's true. It, it can, and it can work too. You've got an, an armored defense. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, he's not wearing any plate mail that we know of. <laughs> he's, he's got... <laughs> That clink, blue clink, lapel clink, clink. plate armor. He's got that that, that elven mithril uh, blazer. Mm. He doesn't have the double popped collar that the pretty boys do. That would be, could be an argument for some kind of chain shirt, maybe. <laughs> what kind of bard is he, though, Ian? Why don't you? You know, I I made an argument earlier today that he's not a kind of bard. He's just a bard. He hasn't made it to college yet. <laughs> it's just more sad. He's, he's not. He's not. He's not made it to college. He's a dropout. He's living in his sister's basement. He's a level two bard. Oh. No <laughs> college required. Oof. Reasonable. If we were gonna if, for for his character development later, what's, <laughs> what what college will he go? Well, I'm into? really mad about the fact that we don't have one that I really. I like. know. Well, before you get into the one that you, yeah, you really want, go ahead. The, the one that I would say is the closest for me is College of Eloquence because I feel like 
the way he diffused the Steve Buscemi toast and yeah. was able to get that wedding back on track is like saying the right thing at the right time. Yeah, that's true. Feels right to me. I don't disagree with that. But Karina, there's some content that you wish was available in Watsi. I know, but I really want to be Watsi canon. It's not. Is Critical Role content that isn't Haldori Reborn. It's a wonderful subclass. It's College of Tragedy. Now, this is meant for like a Shakespearean sort of character, but it's so fun. <laughs> I feel like he's just such a sad boy. For the melodrama. <laughs> yeah, it's very melodramatic, right? That's it. Not all grand stories conclude in triumphant victory. Many tales end with death and despair. And these bards know that the sorrow and pathos are emotions just as potent as joy and delight. So they can specialize in power of tragic storytelling. He's doing that when he's going, you know, I will never be happy. And when he's doing a song to George Barry's character, like, oh, kill me. Weaving words and spells together. I want to die. Dramatic and devastating effect. So some of the fun things you can do there is at level three, you have poetry in misery. So at level three, you learn to harness the beauty in failure. So when you or your ally within 30 feet of you roll a one on a d20 attack roll or ability check or a saving throw, you can spend one of your bardics to have them re-roll it. And then you're oh, like, nice. like, hey, yeah. bardic, bardic. And using bardic inspiration in a different way is so great. I hate that it's always just like, oh, right, I forgot to do a bardic. Uh, here, here's a bardic. Using that to be more like a silvery bar was kind of thing. Super awesome. Yeah. I love that. The other one, fun one that I liked is Sorrowful Fate. Now you can use your bardic inspiration to turn that saving throw that a baddie's going to take into a charisma check. Oh, interesting. Hmm. And if they fail, they take psychic damage and they are plagued with regret for one minute. So now <laughs> <laughs> they just have to be sad about it if they yeah. failed. And if that makes them go to zero hit points, they are magically compelled to utter darkly poetic final words before succumbing to their injuries. So they have to do like this whole like, big soliloquy about like, oh, where was me? <laughs> it's like, this could be like, you're coming out of this book half walk. He's like, where is me in the darkness? <laughs> you were mentioning the Somebody Killed Me Please song. And to me, that rang true as unsettling words, uh, sort of the, the John Lovitz, he's losing his mind. He's losing his mind. And I'm ripping the benefits. Yes. <laughs> Slow curtain pull. <laughs> I, I think unsettling words is actually that specific explanation for unsettling words is a good argument for Ooh. College of Eloquence. And the, yeah. the college that I was leaning towards was College of Glamour because I feel like his general mm. sort of like, honestly, the Steve Buscemi thing feels more like enthralling performance. Mm -hmm. Like hmm. the guy you are kind of talking like you're not exactly talking negatively about, but you've taken the microphone away from him. He's the one who says, oh, that's a good wedding singer. Like that feels like a charm <laughs> effect to me. Interesting. Sure. Um, and it's like enthralling performance lets you charm an entire audience simultaneously, mm -hmm. which feels like very much what he is doing as the wedding singer. Mm. Mantle of inspiration, I could live without though. So at that point, I feel like uh, College of Eloquence might end up putting out. Yeah, and, and eventually, unfailing inspiration feels like you're getting everyone on the dance floor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're the king of the, the king of the earth. <laughs> let's go, kids. So do we want to put them in college or not? Let's uh, let's just keep them out of college. We've made plans. The listeners have heard our plans. Got some ideas. Yeah. Start at level two. There's places yeah. for him to go. We finished discussion offline, and as far as ability scores, we dumped dexterity, because he's pretty easy to hit, and gave him a great charisma. And so to summarize, Robbie is a human with two levels in Bard and the Entertainer background. So how playable is he? I think this is a rough one because I feel like <laughs> if you're really trying to play the one note Adam Sandler character, you're going to run into all of the problems that we had in the how does this movie hold up section. I, think I mean, maybe, but like in, in your tone and like the yeah, I think the, you like one liners, you can piece something together. I mean, as far as like I feel like people argue about women doing this kind of build, it's a bit of a Mary Sue. 
And I think that's fine to do when you're level two. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to figure out your character, and that's okay. Could you be the little blinky-eyed boy next door? You got a little bit lost, and you just want love. I do think on the flip side, if you try and play this character, you should definitely coordinate with your dungeon master. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like both John Lovitz's Jimmy Moore character as the basis for a rival bard NPC. Yeah. Ah, yes. Uh, we did like having the rival bard in our, our last campaign. Rival was, bard that is was fun. Entertaining. That is fun. <laughs> and also Glenn is like the rival love interest. Like I feel like you yeah. could have a lot of rivals for this character Again, and that could play pretty and now, well. And now your party wants to rally around you because yeah. you're haunted. Mm-hmm. And, no, sorry. We're not haunted. We're Because <laughs> we're entertainer. But it gives you impetus to that because like, hey, my good boy over here. Don't you come after my good boy. No, yeah. now you get, you know, your barbarian's going to go over there and fuck shit up. <laughs> so I think, yeah, in terms of playability, if you come away with nothing from this, it's that bards should have other rival bards because it just makes things better. And, and has your party have your back? Because no, that's my bard. How dare you? <laughs> but honestly, bard as a starting out character is pretty solid. Oh, it's like, fun. You get There's half so proficiency in everything and... You're, you are a party help, and you also get to do magic without preparing your spells. Yeah, jack of all trades is great. You, you can dip into like some wizard shit, some other. Yeah, like, you get a bit of a. It's like a little smorgasbord. It's almost like a buffet at a wedding. Mm-hmm. If every single round you want to cast vicious mockery and just have fun with that, just be everyone's there for it. that. <laughs> everyone else at the table is going to love that, and then you're just passing out uh, as a bonus action your bardic inspiration. Those two things alone. Yeah, you can it's have a, a great starter class. Yeah. It's fun. Lean, not, lean into it. I, yeah. Again, I think if you're playing a, a one-shot game or a really short-run game, leaning into Adam Sandler as a personality and pulling those quotes will probably work if you're playing in a long-form campaign. I don't I don't know. But I mean... Go to college. Sam, <laughs> Sam Regal figured out how to make that work. So maybe you can do something. Yes. Yeah. Just be Sam Regal. That's, just be Sam Regal. Yeah. <laughs> Super easy. What's Super your problem? <laughs> just hold a finger right above your lip. You should be fine. <laughs> Works for him, why not you? <laughs> Want to play Rubby Heart? You can find the character sheet at HollywoodRolls.com. Please leave us a rating on whatever podcatcher you use. Plug us in your drunken best man speech. The best place to find us is HollywoodRolls.com. Email suggestions for movies or characters at JuliaGulia at HollywoodRolls.com. We're at HollywoodRolls on Instagram, at Hollywood underscore Rolls on Twitter, and Patreon at Patreon.com slash HollywoodRolls. We're not sponsored by D&D Beyond, Wizards of the Coast, Kirkland Brand Spirits and Wines, Discord, Dispel Dice, Critical Role, 3D Magic 01, New Line Cinema, Sure, Coca-Cola, Dunkin' Donuts, Cheer, Miami Vice, Tony the Florist, Rubik's Cube, DeLorean, Sony, Heineken, or Vegas Air. Thanks for listening.